welcome to episode 8 of the Developing Strategy podcast. This week we're talking once again about the internal situation. Last week we talked about competitive advantage um, and the various theories around it. And this week we're going to be talking a little bit more practical terms. Um, So we're going to introduce some frameworks or tools that you can use to really answer some of those key questions about the internal situation and your competitive positioning within it. And actually, Dad, it'd be good if we could sort of clarify what is the question you're trying to answer with these? How does it fit into your broad six-question framework? Yeah, well, as as you remember, the first three questions of the six are really laying out the whole situation. That's what is the external environment where we're focusing on opportunities and things that might be threats as well. Um, the second one, which is the internal situation, and the third one, which is how are things going to evolve? And in terms of the internal situation, one of the most fundamental things is how good are you at doing things? But in this cruel, cruel market-driven world, what counts actually is not how good you are, but how good you are relative to the competition. Mm. And this is where the idea of competitive advantage is really valuable and, and is a, a sort of fundamental idea in strategy uh, that you've got to get into your head as a strategist, whether you're in a charity or a, or, or a business. Or indeed, a department within a company, you know, you need to be better than the alternative providers that a company could outsource to, for example. And so what we did last week was we talked about the capabilities and the positions which go into creating advantage and how they need to create either a cost advantage or an advantage in differentiation or value that, that's reflected in a higher price or higher volume. We'd created a list of, of potential categories for those. But now how do you think How do you take that list and create a more concrete view of how you create advantage or how you are disadvantaged and how big that advantage or disadvantage is? So we've got three tools and the first one is going to be how we turn that rather conceptual view into something still quite conceptual but much more explanatory of how the whole system works. And that's called a a systems diagram. What you do is you take all those positions and capabilities Mm. and you arrange them on a page and then draw arrows between them to show how they relate to each other, including how they drive costs. So I've got an example here for the airlines business, um, for low-cost airlines, how they operate. So, you know, low-cost airline has lower costs, but the question is where do those come from uh, they come from higher utilisation. Do they just use all their costs better? They have higher rates of um, filling their seats and they have more seats per plane and they, they are in the air more often and so on. Where does that higher utilisation come from? That comes from driving really high demand. So lots of customers want them so they can really keep their planes full. Where does that higher demand come from? It comes from lower prices um, to attract people, where do those lower prices come? Well, they come from the lower costs that we mentioned earlier. So we've got a kind of virtuous circle here that um, lower prices drive higher utilisation um, through higher demand, and then that drives lower costs, which then allow you to drive uh, lower prices. So if you can be successful on that loop, you get more and more competitive, mm. and then you become one of the leading players. Once you fall off that and start as a low-cost airline flying routes where you're not getting high utilisation, your costs aren't low, you can't lower your prices, then you die, and you, you do see you know people dying in that industry as well. So once we've understood how the system works, if you like, within your business, then you can think about those capabilities and those positions and how they feed into it. So, for example, one of the things that we had... Um, that was important in the system for a low-cost airline is to get high utilisation. And one of the positions that helps you there 
is to have planes that are equipped with plenty of seats on attractive routes where you have high market share so that you can um, uh, maximise the number of passengers who are coming to you because it tends to be that the person with the highest market share gets a disproportionate share of the market. Um, and also think about the capabilities you need to, to have high utilisation. And those could include, for example, being able to turn the planes around really quickly, which is a capability. So, so this way you can build up more of a model that sort of shows how everything comes together uh, and isn't just a list and how it all works. And can I, could I just interject quickly? Yeah. So last week we spoke about kind of articulating your capabilities and position as an organisation. Yeah. And this systems diagram is talking at the sort of segment or industry level. Yeah. So this is what it takes to succeed as a low-cost airline operator. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just wondering, is, <clears throat> is, is the logic that there's basically one way to succeed, as in there's one yeah. Um, there's, the logic here is, the, the simple way is say, what is the way to succeed in this industry? Um, and to draw the chart for that. Now, then the next stage would be to say, well, are there two ways to succeed? Because actually in airlines, you might have a different model, but yeah. probably most low-cost airlines are pretty yeah. similar. So um, because so, you've segmented the industry, yeah. sort of, you, you're narrowing down the different models there yeah. are. It's, yeah, and normally what I try to do is say, let's look at a, um, a specific segment of the industry, mm. not look at Europe and America. You know, let's look, look at just a particular market in Europe as an example and how a key competitor is doing. And then ask, is that generalizable? And it generally is, okay. but occasionally I do find that there's like two different models. And in fact, that's part of the benefit of this. So, for example... I worked with a um, recruitment company and actually the best debate we had, I think, in our whole session was trying to use this model because one half, the kind of the more, more traditional model was it was all about relationships building and strong relationships allowed you to understand the customer and do a better job for them, which meant that you then got stronger relationships. And the kind of the, the up and comers were saying, well, the industry is changing you know, that stuff doesn't work anymore. It's mm. all about volume and IT processes driving consistency and the client getting a very consistent product quickly and at a reasonable cost. And we've got to focus on our IT. And this was all done by getting them to draw these systems diagrams to say what's their view of how the business actually works. When it was just a list of position and capabilities, you know, everyone agrees that relationships are kind of important. But when you actually draw the, you know, how things connect, yeah. that's when you get the really good debate. Okay, and it's still what I would call a fairly conceptual tool because we've got numbers on it, and mm. um, it's not a quantifying a quantification. But it is, you know, how does our industry work, or how does a particular part of our industry work? Are there alternative models? Which one works best, and so on. Great. That's, okay, that makes sense. Is that enough um, on that one? Yeah, I like that one. Okay, let's let's move on to point two. The second one is sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum in that it's very quantitative. So what you do is you take your cost structure, like take an airline, traditional airline, and we've done this before um, when I was at Boston Consulting Group, and then you say to them, let's understand everything we can about how our competitors work, particularly low-cost airlines. What do they do differently? What does that do to their cost structure? And for example, let me give you one example, which I have mentioned. Their planes are in the air more often because they only take... 40 minutes to turn around rather than two hours. Mm -hmm. What does that do to their cost structure by being able to utilise the planes more often? You can model that and it's worth, you know, like 3% of costs or something. And you do everything that they do differently to us and you can actually model how much that is worth to lower their cost from, say, 100, if that's us, down to, say, 60 for them. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe our price is at 110, so we're making 10% margin, but their price is at 70, they're cheaper, and they're still making more margin, or the same margin as us, they're making 10 on their, their costs as well. So um, you can sort of model the price, which is very easy, but much more complicated, model the differences in costs. And I've used that a lot. Power plants, how does a utility operate versus how would an IPP operate? What you get here is maybe 20 things that are big differences, and if you do all those 20 things better, you'll actually end up with their cost structure. So you've got a very concrete output. Okay, so the first question is kind of talking, in a general sense, what does it take to succeed in a segment? Yeah. And the second is, what is the actual structure of our competitors? Because I guess the first one cost implies... Cost structure. Cost yeah. structure. Yeah. I guess the first one implies that everyone's sort of got the same model, whereas the second one implies that your competitors have a different cost model? Well, it might be they have the same model of how to compete, but they're just doing it better. Right, I see. Actually, a lot of these models can be used first to try and identify what's similar about all the industries, so or the, all the competitors in the industry. Like You're right, the systems diagram mm. can be used to say, well, what's the way to make a, a, a cost-effective um, airline work? But actually, when you've done that, most of these tools can then also be used to say, well, what are the differences? So you could say, here's the basic way to make a low-cost airline work. And, for example, turnaround time of planes is a capability that can be used to increase utilisation. But actually, then you can start exploring the differences and say, well, what is interesting, because we know our competitors turn around planes faster or slower than us, uh, which would give us either a disadvantage or an advantage. And similarly, as you said, in the cost structure, you know, you you actually say, well, are there some common elements of costs in a business first? And then you say, how would these differ? So so you're right, the exploration of competitive advantage is a bit of a mix of understanding what's what's kind of the core of the, the way this industry works. And then once you understand that, how does it vary across different competitors? Sometimes it varies so much that the original understanding of how, of how it works is almost of no value to you. For example, if you have, if you if you said, what's the cost structure of an airline? Uh, you could you could reasonably say, how would that vary for a low cost airline? But you might have to start from scratch. If you said, well, now how much does it cost for a train to take the high speed train from Madrid to Barcelona, which which basically is a substitute from flying there on Iberia? You have to have a completely different cost structure. It doesn't really follow the same model. So occasionally you get such a disruptive competitor, you have to think more fresh. And I think that's perhaps what you're pushing at yeah, a bit. Yeah. So um, actually the use of these tools is a bit more flexible than I've described perhaps in my examples. And let's talk practically about modelling that. Yeah. How long does that process take and, and what are the inputs for modelling the cost structure of your competitors? Yeah, okay. Well, I remember doing a little piece of work where we just focused on this for a power station. As one example, this, this utility had maybe 15 power stations. Mm -hmm. And we knew if we did it for one, then it was probably true for virtually all of the others. So okay. we took one as an example, took about six weeks to do the work um, with perhaps a week either end to just sort of gear up, gear down, get the report in. So quite a big effort. Um, for which, you know, you charge like, I don't know, it was, it was a fairly cheap project, $120,000 or something, you know, it wasn't huge, but there's still quite a lot of money to pay for a piece of analysis. But, you know, we said, if you did all this right, you'd probably be saving 60 million for the entire company across all the plants. And here are the 20 things or the 40 things you have to do differently, all of which are small adjustments, but cumulatively, that would make the difference. That was a real value. You know, to spend 120000 on a report that gave you 40 action items that were well-researched and documented, 
um, that, that utility team could sit down with their workforce and say, what of these can we do? Because some of this requires some pain, but some of this can be done just by us working together um, to deliver you know, millions and millions of value. Okay. So the, the impetus and the, the, the targeting of the changes you need to make is informed by your competitor. You're looking yes, exactly. Yeah, the principle here is compare yourself with your competitor, and having understood the difference, either carry on exploiting your advantage or try and find a way of fixing your disadvantage. Could okay. be either. Okay. Let's move on to point three then. Um, I know yeah. that lies somewhere in between the two. Yeah, somewhere in between because you know if I have people in whether it's a workshop or, or, or we're on a course, and say, well, you know, we can do this rather conceptual systems diagram, it's kind of interesting, but doesn't give you very many really hard action levers. Or we can do this cost structure, but that'll take six weeks. I need something that can be done in a shorter space of time. But more targets, well, what are the key actions that we need to take in order to fix any problems, or what can we build on? And so I have a little chart, a table that is a bit hard to describe over a podcast. So we, like all of our materials here, you know, do look at yeah. the website and so on. Uh, we will put all of that on there and there'll be templates there and so on, which you're very welcome to use. So let me try and describe it. But I kind of start off a little bit with my, let's make sure we all agree the context. What segment are we talking about? Are we talking about, you know, uh, British Airways against Ryanair on flights within Europe, for example? And then what's the customer value proposition? That could be the value curve that we covered a couple of weeks ago. So what is it that really customers want? How important is price to them? Um, and what are the other things they want? Because ultimately, what we're going to look at next is how do we deliver that customer value proposition and how well are we delivering it versus the competition? So that's the context. Okay. Now comes the key moment. <laughs> so that was you a need drum roll. To, that was a drum roll. Yeah, my version of it. Um, you have to take the kind of understanding you have of positions and capabilities, anything you might have done if you did do the systems analysis, often I've kind of skipped that step if I haven't got time, and boil that down to like, what are the five things that people have to do well in this industry? Maybe in the airlines business, it's um, you do need to have market share to be able to attract the customer, because everyone now is in the business. You have to have market share in order to be able to get the demand in to get the utilization but it's sort of high market share per route you fly okay might be really key another thing might be for example rapid turnaround of planes um, there are other things of course like having lots of seats in the plane but everyone's got that already um, mm -hmm. so i've got to come up with what i think the five things are which really drive success in that particular segment and that could be anything from my list of capabilities and positions, or sometimes some fusion of those. Okay. And, okay, and so, so far? Yeah, so I, uh, the context would be you've laid out what customers want, and that could yeah. be price in the low-cost yeah. airline segment. And then your next step is what do we? What are the key ways that you reach that? What yeah. Ways that you yeah, and so I, I probably needs. have a few. I, I normally say you normally, normally need about five to six. So that would be a typical number. But let's have just, just focusing on two. If it was, I need to be able to turn around the planes very quickly, which is more of a capability issue, and I need to have high market share per route I fly, which is more of a position issue, um, I can then score myself versus the competition. Mm. So if I'm BA and I find that actually my market share for many of the routes I fly when I'm competing against Ryanair is half of theirs, 
that's a problem. Um, and if my turnaround is twice theirs, that's a problem. So I can compare myself. I, I normally get people to score each competitor on, on one to five. One is terrible and five is great. Very simple way of scoring. And so you've just now actually got something rather practical. You say, well, these are the five things we think we need to do well. And this is how well we're doing versus the competition. Yep. And then I can actually say a last thing you need to do as a little intervening step I'll add later. Um, last thing you need to do is tell me uh, something about whether you need to invest money to do this or invest management time to do this. You know, is it just we we haven't got the money to invest in yeah. putting new planes on the routes to get the market share. So we've just been putting a few planes on every every route and maybe money would help there, investment. Or is it just we haven't focused on this? We haven't really worked with our teams to try and get the turnaround times quicker. So it's about management time and attention. I find that's useful because in the end, those are the two scarce resources, senior management focus and cash. Okay. There's one little twist I do, which we'll see, you'll see on the, on the template, is I also try and say, how are these sources of advantage evolving over time? Some things might be getting more important, some things less important. Sometimes you have saying it's not very important today, but it's going to become more important. So I get people to say, if you had a hundred, you've got five different things that drive competitive success, and each of them were equally important, they'd each be 20% adding up to 100%. Mm. Now tell me what they really are today. Maybe this one is, you know, market share per route is like 50%. That's really important. But over time, we think that might decline because other things are going to become more important. It kind of gives you some sense of where should you be focusing most attention now, but also what might be important over time. So I try and get people to think a little bit forward. And it's a, to be honest, it's a flexible tool. There's slightly different ways that different people use it. But it does give you a very practical outcome, albeit based on people's hunches and guesses, within an hour. So that, that really gets a fantastic conversation going. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to build on that point. So getting everything on the table is obviously really helpful. And this here, you're relying on those five or six key factors that, yeah. <clears throat> that help win in an industry. Yeah. Typically, in your experience, how long does it take for people to come up with those? And how easy is it to do so? Because yeah. easy to put on a template, but you know, having that information is presumably quite, it's gold dust, like it's, it's really helpful to have. So is, yeah. do you find that the, the teams you've worked with in the past know that already? Or is it, does it come out of these tools you've used? Well, it's a really fundamental thing and people, people damn well should know it, right? Okay. I mean, you say it's gold dust, but if they don't know what drives success in their business, they can at least tell me, <laughs> they may be wrong, but I would say actually it's not difficult to get that form filled out. So that's why normally what I do is I talk about positions and capabilities, get them to list those. That's not doesn't take that long. And then I get them to spend maybe an hour on this template. Now, that's the sort of time you can have with a management team, which gives them a high value, quick output. And then I might give it to some analysts like you and say, right, go away, check if it, that's right. Check if somebody's got a completely different view and we need to challenge this team mm. and do some cost modeling to see how these things actually play out in terms of differences in cost structure, differences in price point. Um, because we've got the theory, now we need to sort of see whether it proves out in practice. And that, that's where you, you know, the weeks of work go in from the analysts. Great. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap up there because yeah. we're... we're Perhaps I could just say yes. So bringing this all together, understanding the internal situation and your position is really important because successful strategy involves targeting attractive 
opportunities, which is more looking at the external environment, but being successful in doing so, which means you have to understand yourself and the internal situation. And key to that, the most important thing in most situations is, do you have competitive advantage or can you build it? And that's why we focused two sessions, two, two podcasts on uh, episodes on this one. Great. Um, and next week we'll be discussing other aspects of the internal situation. Yeah. Um, but hopefully this has been helpful clarification for the competitive advantage section. So unless you've got anything to add. No. Nope. See you next week. Round it off there. See you next week. Mm-hmm.